Welcome to That NAMS podcast number two. My name is John Schuler. I'm glad to have you here. Last week, I mentioned and talked about uh, the great events that happened in Kigali and um, asked the question, now what? You know, what's coming next after Kigali? And I want to return to that today. Uh, wh- where are we after Kigali? Well, I said last week, we are in the same place we were before Kigali. If you're in the trenches in North America, nothing's changed. And so what's really critical, it seems to me, is that we have some better understanding of what we're really dealing with and what the call of God on our lives really is. Um, If you ask me, what do I believe God intends at this time? Um, I can answer. As many who know me will bear witness, I have believed for almost my entire ministry that God has called for a new reformation in the church that claims to be faithful to Jesus Christ. Every church. I do not think now, uh, and I didn't think then, years ago, that this meant simply separating from ungodly and unrepentant men in the hierarchy of the Episcopal Church, which was the denominational family that I was raised in, I believed then, and I believe now, that it meant we had to commit to a new dawn of radical submission to the revealed word of God in Christ Jesus, and a renewed sense of mission in the United States of America and North America, and to the ends of the earth. I believe then and I believe now it applies to us all. I think it applies to every denomination, but I think it enormously applies to the Anglican family of the church, and particularly to that which I know best, even though I've had a a lifetime as a global missionary and know a lot about the Anglican church in most of the world. The 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 part of it that's on my heart and the part of it that I'm giving the latter end of my years on this earth to is what's going on in North America? What's going on in North America? I was never, and I am not now, eager to have a fight over the traditions of men. But I am ready to struggle hard in the battle for the apostolic faith and the apostolic order that was given to our forebears. The men and women who went before us were committed to the doctrine, the discipline, and the worship of Christ. They were committed to be submitted to the word of God. Um, and, And my heart's desire and my dream is that we would allow the Holy Spirit to reform us in our day where necessary that we would want above all things to obey the Lord Jesus Christ now. I believe that the classic documents of the English Reformation were more faithful to the heritage of apostolic Christianity than much of what has been fashioned in Anglican circles in the subsequent days. And I think we should and rightly do appeal to the classic formularies But I never believed, and I don't believe now, that 16th century documents are sufficient to see us through the new dawn of faithful mission that I pray we are being called to be part of 
in the 21st century. I believe a new reformation has to be embraced. It has to be a reforming, I-N-G. It has to be a reforming movement. It cannot simply be that we say over and over what was reformed in the 16th and 17th centuries, but we keep adding and adding and adding other things that we're doing now that keep us from heart, hard focus on the things that will actually increase the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our land in this century that we now live in. I'm reminded of a key moment in my life, and I think uh, as a historian in the life of the church in North America and the life of the church that I love in the world. And that is when in 1990, a few young priests um, in the Diocese of East Tennessee started asking questions of the church that they served. Some of those questions have remained in my mind to this day. One of those questions was, why has the Episcopal Church gotten smaller and smaller as a percentage of the country for the last 75 years? Remember, that was 1990. That means since 1915. And we ask, why has the number of missionaries gotten smaller and smaller? And why has the number of baptized faithful diminished every year at that time since 1965? When we began asking those questions, we were told to be quiet. But little by little, those questions um, gained some traction. And out of that was born a national event that was held in the summer of 1993 called the Shaping Our Future Symposium. And that invitation, the invitation to that event went out to um, first the United States and then Canada and then actually extended beyond, beyond um, this, this land um, to other countries. And we posed three questions in asking people to come to answer for themselves. Uh, and, they, and these were the questions. Is the Anglican family structured so as to be effective for the spread of the kingdom of God? And if not, why not? And if not, what can we do about it? Are we structured so as to be effective for the spread of the kingdom of God? And if not, why not? And if not, what can we do about it? We started asking those questions in 1990 and 1991. There was a general convention that year, 1992. In 1993, NAMS was begun, a missionary movement to plant new Great Commission churches in North America that has since spread to helping to plant new gospel churches throughout the world. Um, in, in the year that followed that, if I'm not mistaken, John Rogers, the late John Rogers, Bishop John, not then a bishop, wrote his A Place to Stand document. Um, it, was, it was soon after that that the First Promise Movement was born, 1997. Um, it's not that there were not other things going on, but what I'm suggesting is raising the questions in 90, from 1990 to 1993 created a turmoil that kept spreading. It spread from First Promise to the First Promise Roundtable. 
It spread from the round table to the formation of the Anglican Mission in America, AMIA. It spread from, it spread from the birth of AMIA in 2000 to the emergence of the Anglican Communion Network, led by then uh, Bishop Bob Duncan in, in, in 2003, and then in 2008 came GAFCON 1, and then in 2009 came ACNA. Now, there are many other elements to this season of the church's life, but there is no doubt in my mind that the three questions that we posed to the church in our country in 1990 set in motion the place we are in today, this side of the GAFCON meeting in Kigali. The questions apply to the whole Anglican family. Are we organized so as to be effective for the spread of the kingdom of God? And if not, why not? Is the mission of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, the mission he gave to the church to take the gospel to all who have not heard it at the center of our common life? Are, are we living? Are we living? so that the love of God is persuading unbelievers around us to inquire about our faith? Are we living and and so exemplifying the love of God and the life that Christ calls men and women to that others are wanting to know why we live the way we live? Are we faithfully going, let alone paying attention to those who come? Are we fully committed to going and making disciples of all nations? Are we committed to it in Ohio? Are we committed to it in Indiana? Are we committed to it in Kentucky? Are we committed to it in North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, etc., etc.? Are we are we living so that what we say with our lips is what people who observe us see us living with our lives? I've lived through a tumultuous season in the Anglican Church's history as a missionary priest. And I have to say, uh, my experience overwhelmingly is the battles that I've been a part of and the fights that I've been engaged in and the work that I have thrown myself into outside of my missionary work has been more about power and position and prestige than the effective spread of the kingdom of God as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. My experience is that if you want to be marginalized, if not shunned, then all you have to do is begin to question things that are traditions among Anglicans and holding them up to the light of the gospel for people to start saying, well, that's not Anglican. Well, that's not Anglican. Well, that's not how we do things. Well, that's not our system. Well, as I pointed out last week, we have a perfect system for the results that we're getting. Who knows what results we're getting? Where where can I go and find out what results we're getting? If results mean men and women who are coming from unbelief into the fullness of the life of Jesus Christ. 
My experience is that though I love the testimonies and I have been there and I have I pray for and I will always be supportive of what is happening in many parts, not all, but in some parts of the majority world, I thank God for what is happening among majority world Anglicans. But I also know that many of those who speak up on behalf of the Anglican family in the majority world would have a hard time answering the same questions that I'm posing today and that we posed so long ago to the Episcopal Church. Um, And particularly wherever the Western influence of the Anglican family has come. I can hear some of my brothers and sisters and my friends saying, oh, this is so negative, John. Well, I'm not trying to be negative. I am aware, as I pray you are, that all around us are men and women living in the darkness of unbelief. Everywhere I go, every place I am, there are way more living in unbelief and, and, and opposing the work of God And yet, Anglicans are sprinkled like pepper throughout the country. Um, It's not stemming the tide. We are not coordinated. We are not thinking. We are not praying. We are not opening ourselves to the possibility, the possibility that much that we love that much that we have known is no longer effective. It is not effective if our calling is to be light to a dark world. We may have a long, long life of attracting a small number who love our history, who love our tradition, who love our customs, who love our, our, our faith. Please, God, let it be because of our faith. And yet we will become more and more insignificant in the land in which we live. I admire the Amish, but I don't want to imitate the Amish. I don't want to be Amish Anglicans. I want to be part of a church that submits to Christ. That church will never die. I believe that that's the church the Lord Jesus Christ is building. The gates of hell cannot prevail against that church. And it it is constituted of every true gathering of disciples of Jesus. But it is not called Anglican. It is called the body of Christ. Those who will gather around the Lamb upon the throne are its members. We are called to be part of that. And that will require reforming. That does not require that we say we were once reformed. It requires that we want to be reformed today under the word of God. Will you join me in praying for that?